Okay, now if I was to ask you this, ask you a question, and this question has to do with tomorrow. What are your plans for tomorrow? Just think in your mind, rhetorical. What are your plans for tomorrow? You go to work. A lot of you like go to work, right? Some of you, yeah, some of you go fishing, probably fishing included in that, because that's, that's, that's a norm. Walk the dog. Your regular routine. If I were to ask you what was important about tomorrow, you might say, well, nothing particular, nothing is really big that's happening tomorrow. Well, we all have plans, and sometimes our plans we, we make based upon our perception of what things are going to be. Well, one day there was an ambitious university student who was talking with his wise older uncle, and the uncle realized that his nephew had left God out of his plans and so guided the conversation in this way. So this uncle had kind of a, an idea of where he wanted to take the conversation. Joe, the uncle, asked, tell me what you plan to do after you graduate from college. Oh, I guess I'll start my career, said Joe. That sounds prudent, said the uncle. What then? I guess, said Joe, I'll, I'll get married and have a family. That's wonderful, said the old man. What then? Well, replied Joe, I guess I'll make my fortune. Good for you, said the uncle. What then? And the question I have to ask you today is this. What then? What then? Tomorrow? What then? And as we look at a passage out of James, uh, uh, just a great reminder for us to be thinking about what then? Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And sometimes we can make a, a, a fatal miscalculation about things. And we have this and that, and we have this planned, and, and there's a lot of planning. Even as we have our announcements, we're planning to do this. We're planning to do that. The reality, though, is that we don't really know what's going to happen tomorrow. Our plans could change. It could be a completely different scenario. Who would have known two years ago that your last year would have looked like it did? And you just realize, you know what, you can plan all you want to, but there's a lot of uh, variables. I never dreamed I would be wearing a mask into Walmart. Never, ever thought there would ever be a time that I would wear a mask into Walmart. Maybe latex gloves, but not a mask. <laughs> just realizing. Uh, but you realize, wow, things really are very, very unpredictable. There's this passage out of James in chapter 4, and it talks about this wheeler-dealer of a man. He's a businessman, and, and Jesus is obviously has dealt with these people when he was here. And as James relates this story to us, we realize that this is really, really pertinent to today. And it doesn't have to be a businessman. It can be any, any particular person, but we can translate it to us. It says, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this, this or that city, Spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do, you do not even know what, you will, what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them." That's it. That's the whole passage. And it's referring to a person who has, has this plan, uh, much like uh, this young college person who's going to go off and do this and going to go do this. 
And as you read this passage, you recognize that, that there's a lot of truths that pop out to us that apply to us directly, especially as we see how life is so unpredictable. It has been said that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God, and there's kind of a different take on that. But the reality is this, a person who knows that there's God, but lives like he doesn't exist, or that God isn't, that God's truth isn't actually the way it's going to be because we live that way. We, we are Christians. We believe that there is a God. We're not atheists, but we live as if there is no God. And you can see that in some, in, in some, maybe some time periods in your life where you may be falling away from God a little bit more, maybe just in our daily walk, how that happens. And what we do is we presume upon some things. And what we're going to see in this, this passage is that this person has presumed upon many things. And, and it, who does this apply to? Well, it's businessmen. What is their, what's their whole objective? To make a bunch of money. Well, how long is that going to take? We're going to take this a year or two? Or, and where is this going to happen? This city or that city? They've got everything already worked out. But what do they leave out of the equation? The fact that God is actually intricately involved, not only in our lives and does he just watch us, but actually God has a plan for us. And he actually determines our steps. It goes on, why do you not, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The word mist is atmos, which we get the word atmosphere from. And you have probably maybe on your way to work seen something where you see this mist kind of falling over the, maybe some of the low parts. And, and then by the time that you even maybe get to work, you can see that the mist has been burned away and it's gone. And the Bible describes our lives as not only a mist that's here and gone, but, but a, maybe a leaf or a grass or a flower that is here today and then withers tomorrow, and you realize it's just really short. I was talking to <laughs> Daryl, so fun. I was talking to Daryl yesterday at Jules' uh, party, and, and he goes, and he said, see all the flowers I had? He basically was referring to the fact that he had dandelions, and I get to enjoy them for like six weeks. And he goes, I fought the war. It's not worth it. He goes, so for six weeks, I just enjoy the dandelions. And if you've, if you've ever tracked a dandelion, like actually looked at one in its kind of its development, you realize they come up so fast. It is amazing. They're, they're like, you know, just the leaves are coming out, and then the next thing you know, there's this beautiful flower in, in Daryl's eyes or my eyes or whoever's eyes. And then within a couple of days, what? Fuzzy old man, just hair sticking everywhere, right? And you think to yourself, just in a few days, the life cycle of a dandelion is gone. And God says, you're like a dandelion. Your life is this short. It's here and it's gone. And that is true because Psalm says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We're not going to be here very long. It's going to be a short, it, it, you think, okay, this is going to be a long time. And then, you know, you just realize as you get older, things fly quicker. I don't know anyone who's ever told me differently. So it's got to be true. It is really, really true. God's word is absolutely spot on. The steps of a man are established by the Lord. True or false? Uh, if he can take a king, a, a, oh, some king from a country that is godless and use him for his purposes and completely plan how his people are going to come back and rebuild their city and rebuild their temple and, and, and provide them with all the materials and the escort, boy, God is in control of not only those lives, but also ours. And he... 
as he directs the king's life like a watercourse, he directs our lives as well. So what we're going to do in 10 or 20 or 30 years, well, we don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow or if we're going to be even here tomorrow. The question is, is that God only knows the number of days that we have. Proverbs 21 says this, The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. Okay, pretty important piece of scripture. Here it is. Is it okay to plan and prepare for things? Yeah, horses made ready for battle, right? But if he tells you, we're not going to do the horses, and he says, I'm just going to have you march around this city this many times, what are you going to do? You're going to park the horse and you're going to walk, right? Because he knows exactly what he's going to do. And so we need to make sure that if we make plans, that we, we include God in those plans, ask for his guidance in the process of those, because God has his own way of doing things. And sometimes he changes things. You look at the book of Ruth, and you just realize, wow, that's an amazing book. Or well, you could just pick a whole bunch of books where you just see God just steered things exactly where he wanted it to, where he wanted it to at the last moment. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will... We will live and do this or that. I want to encourage you, if you, haven't, if you don't have a kind of a, a way of having your devotional time, and, and, and that can vary in lots of ways, but sometimes having a way that you do it, a set way that you can kind of deviate from is really helpful just because that's the way we typically are made. But if you have not used the Lord's Prayer in your private prayer life, I would encourage you to do that. I think when I, when I dissect that whole prayer, and I think other people just realize that too, there's, there's just so much richness in it, and, and there's parts of it that are so critical to our life as we take off on each day and we start off our days uh, just recognizing in the very first part of that prayer that we are asking for the Lord's will to be done in our lives. Not, not for our will, not for our plans, but for His will to be done. And realizing that, you know what, if my best day is going to be the day when I follow his will. And that may mean me a little deviation from the, the thought of what I was going to do tomorrow, but really important to leave ourselves open to the fact that God's plans are better than our plans. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And we realize that we will join him in his, in his work. And I've often talked about this upper story and this lower story. And I, and I don't want to beat it too much, but this is this. God has an upper story, and he is going to accomplish that. And you can read through, and you can read in Isaiah, and you can see things that are going to happen 100 years in advance. And God has this story all worked out. And there's going to be a day when the Lord returns, and God knows that. In the meantime, there are lives upon lives of people who, in their lower story, either cooperate with God or don't cooperate with God. But God has a plan for their life. So the question I have for you is this. Are you cooperating with what God wants to do with your life such that if you are doing what you're planned to do in advance, that God's upper story is accomplished? Think about this. What if Rahab would not have acted in faith? How would have that changed things? Rahab is who? She's from the city of Jericho. And she acted in faith. And because of that, she became the great-grandmother of David. And David is the great-grandfather of Jesus. And you are the 
great-grandson of someone who led you to faith. And you realize someone who led you to faith led out their, their life, and that life fed into your life. And as you live out your life, God's kingdom actually is accomplished. And your lower story works with God's upper story, and it's seamless. And God has it. And so as we plan, we have to realize there's an upper story that God is trying to accomplish. And you might have your lower story. I'm going to be retired by this time. I've heard that so many times. I'm going to be retired by the time I'm 52. Then what? Seriously, then what? And you have to ask the question, then what? And and there's nothing wrong with being retired. I'm just saying, then what? How does that play? Well, then you might be freed up to do God's work. I've heard that before. You know what? We're going to save. We're going to do this. And then we're going to be freed up so we can do God's work. God doesn't necessarily need a 65-year-old man or woman doing his kingdom work when at 25, God had the plan for them to go reach some person in some place that 65-year-old people aren't the best adept at. And I'm just saying, God can do anything, but God wants our best. And our best is not just during the day. We always say, in the morning is the best time for the Lord. Probably true unless you're a night person, and there's always that possibility. But in your lifetime, can you look back, you older people, and say honestly that you had more energy now when you're older than when you were younger? Okay, I want to know your vitamin list, if you did. Okay, I want to know what you're doing, because God wants her best. So planning, and the whole point is, our plans have to include God's upper plan, and our, inner, our lower plan fits inside of that. And it's so important to realize God doesn't want a retirement for him to, to be served. It's during our whole lifetime. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I love this. I will counsel you with my, what? Loving eye on you. Think of a parent and how, or maybe a grandparent. You who are grandparents, so much power. Because you have this ability to actually relate with the kids in a different way, or young people in a different way, much like this illustration. And there's this loving eye that you have, and you have counsel, and it's different. But you see, God has the same, same kind of things like, yeah, you're, you're my child, and I got this loving eye on you, and I want to counsel you. I want to I provide wisdom to you daily. I want to give you guidance. I want to show you where to go. Isaiah 30 says this, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Sometimes you go, I want to just hear God just tell me. I've heard that so many times in Bible study. I just want God to audibly tell me what to do. Oh, do you? Okay. (laughs) What if he tells you to go and you fill in the blank? The place that you don't want to go. To do the things you don't want to do. What if he says to you, I want you to stay single? What if he says to you, no retirement for you. You're going to work until the end. You think, of, you think of the people in the first century. Did any of them retire? I don't know for sure, but a lot of the ones we read about didn't. They served the Lord in a way, and I would call retirement when you're in the absence of doing anything. And I think we fill our days with whatever it is. But you recognize that whether we turn to the left or to the right, he directs us if we're listening. And if we're a child of God, we have this amazing power that the Old Testament saints did not have, which was this, to have the Holy Spirit direct us. Every time we read, as we pray, as we hear other people who are also children of God speaking, they speak to us 
Uh, Corey was talking about that on Friday morning uh, group. We were talking about the fact that we have counsel because we are surrounded by people who are also in God's word, who are reading through the inspired word of God, who through the Holy Spirit illuminates. And when they say things, certain things sometimes click and you go, that was for me. That was an encouragement for me, or that was a mid-course correction for me. And you realize, ah, that's listening. So people want to say, I want to hear God's voice. If you listen, he's speaking through not only his word, but also his people. Really important to recognize that. And you have to kind of discern that, obviously, uh, as you listen to people. The Holy Spirit inside of you connects with them, and you go, oh, I think that was from the Lord. probably is. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You realize, wow, if you are a child of God, the Holy Spirit wants to lead you. And as you submit and yield to him, as you consecrate yourself to him, you'll hear his voice more clearly with a little bit more audibility. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Now, is James getting a little harsh on him right here? But the reality is this. If I make a plan, or if I get up in the morning and, and say, and I don't say, let your will be done, but you know what? Here's what I'm going to do, do today. And there are days when that happens. I will confess to you that are moments where you go, wow, I have, I have grabbed a hold of the steering wheel myself, and I'm still trying to, to steer this car that you're supposed to steer. And what happens is, is what you are is you are an arrogant, I am an arrogant, prideful person because all of a sudden I think I know more than God knows about this particular day or decision. I'm going to buy this house. I'm going to go here. How am I going to spend my time? Am I going to, am I going to invest my time in this club or this thing that I'm going to be doing that's maybe going to pull my time away or pull my margin away such that I lose my focus? All of those things have to be just run before God and go, is this your will? And that keeps the arrogance and the pride out of the equation to the degree that we allow God to, allow, or God to direct our lives. Verse 17, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Now, when I grew up, there were a list of sins, okay? And it was pretty long. And then there were some that weren't necessarily listed, but they were assumed. And you kind of just kind of, I don't know how you did that. Maybe by transpiration, you kind of got that into your system or whatever. But the reality is this, procrastination can be a sin, Anyone disagree? How many of you have ever procrastinated? Good. I just want to make sure you're all awake. <laughs> all right, good. Because that is, that, is, that is a sin, a laziness. You, you read the book of Proverbs. Laziness and procrastination, they're sort of on the same page in my, in my mind. You read about laziness in Proverbs, you don't go three chapters and you will hit one. You're like, whoa, that's not, that's not for us. What if... My attitude was, tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Pretty soon the house is falling down around you, right? You've got laundry everywhere else. Your room looks like a young person's room. And you realize you, your whole house is kind of like procrastination. Now, that's kind of a temporal problem. But now we move into the spiritual realm. What if God audibly tells you to do this and you don't do it? What are the consequences? Well, now the stakes are up, aren't they? Because how many parents will tell their child the fifth thing when they haven't done the first thing? And then you realize, wow, I have effectively not made myself open to his input. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship. We are a masterpiece. 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared for us in advance. He isn't like, oh yeah, today I think I'm going to have so-and-so do this. Alicia, she's going she's gonna to be involved in starting this great new thing. No, God in advance plans things, and he has that provided for us. You know what? Mitch is going to do this. And Mitch doesn't know it, but he's going to be, he's going to be leading Bible studies. Ten years ago, but Mitch, did you ever think you were leading a Bible study? But God knew it. And you realize, wow, that is how God works. And we need to realize that we, as his upper story is playing out, our lower story is part of that whole plan. And if we procrastinate or if we don't listen, we can sure miss out on a lot of blessing. Not just blessing, though, but boy, there's, there are consequences, too, with procrastination that we just have to be very, very well aware of. This might ruffle your feathers. I'm going to let you read this while I tie my shoe. Because if I procrastinate on that, there might be problems. And those of you at home, you have not lost audible contact. <laughs> we are still, but we are reading. If you can't read that. Okay. So what does it take for someone to be separated from God forever in hell? Do they have to refuse the gospel? Ah, that's a tough one, isn't it? Do they, do they have to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Well, there's a tough one. Okay, do they have to break all the commandments? Do they have to commit the seven deadly sins? What do they have to do? They don't have to do any of those. There's a couple of them up there that would be a problem if they did that. Very much a big problem. But if someone procrastinates when God is tapping them on the shoulder, that is the problem. And we see this Satan gets us, he, he blinds us to truth. He says, no, just, just tomorrow. No, you know, go, go to church. Your, your, your neighbors, your family, maybe someone this morning who has come to church. <laughs> Sorry if you're here this morning the first time, but you're realizing that I, I got drugged here by my ear or whatever. Or I just came to church. There is probably not an accident as to the fact that you're here because God uses those taps and prickles and things to do his will. But if we ignore them too long, oh, wow. Then what happens is, you, 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 there's a farmer, and he scatters seed. And some of the seed fell on fertile ground. Some of them not so fertile ground. And so tomorrow never happens, and they never respond to the call of God. You realize, wow, procrastination is huge. And for us to procrastinate, too, as believers who are God's mouthpiece, that's a huge problem. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. You read Romans and you realize that they cannot hear at some point in time. They have, they, have, they have rejected the gospel so many times now that even though they hear it, that, that voice in the back of their head that says, respond to this, it, they can't. Procrastination. If you're here today and you've been coming to church or you're online and you've been listening in, and if you are listening in and you're going, you know what? I'm not going to commit my life to Christ. I'm just going to wait a little while. Oh, wow. Don't do it because God is tapping you. The fact that you're even in church or streaming, think about it. 
Could the Holy Spirit be involved in that? Absolutely. He does not, God does not do things in such a haphazard way. He has got a plan for you. Tomorrow I'll get right with God. We're like a vapor who vanishes. We're here and then we're gone. I will wait to invite them to church when I know them a little better, when, when we're a little more settled. Have you ever said that to yourself? Trying to time that all out? Like now you know them so well, they're like, well, why did you wait so long? Do you realize what I'm saying? It's kind of this, like we procrastinate, really important. I will talk to my friend about my relationship with Christ later when. You know what? Just tell him what God's done for you and how much you enjoy so much that relationship that he has with you. And boy, the ABCs of salvation, so important, so important. Most of you here have already received Christ and you're following Christ. And that's why you're here this morning. You want a deeper relationship with him. For those of you who haven't, I just want to say, if the words don't matter, but the heart does. If you come to God and you were to say this prayer, in the heart of the, the prayer, Dear God, I have been a sinner. You realize that you have sinned and you fall short of God. Please forgive me of my sins. Give me abundant life here on earth and eternal life with you in heaven. I believe Jesus did die and raise again for my sins. I choose to make him Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. And if you were to pray that simple prayer with the heart that says, I am done with trying to do this on my own and I will follow you, you would receive the free gift that you cannot procrastinate and do. You cannot wait till tomorrow. The opportunity is now. It has to be then. If the thief on the cross would have waited 20 more minutes, what would have happened? Okay, so you realize that. How many people have we prayed for and you realize God has this plan for them and at some point in time, he has these spokespersons, that's you and me, who oftentimes communicate his powerful word to them and the Holy Spirit works on on them, and all of a sudden they go, I get it. It happened to me. And I received the gospel because God's Holy Spirit had worked so much on me. And the person who said it didn't say it perfectly. His name was Dave. I'm sure he stumbled. I don't remember that. And I'm sure he didn't have every illustration worked out. I'm sure he didn't have every Bible verse in the Bible memorized before he went and shared. But what did he do? He did not wait. He took the opportunity. He seized it and said, this guy, I think God's working here. And I'm going to take the chance to share with him. Do not procrastinate. So, so important. Change my life. Change your life. Mistakes we can avoid. Presumption. We're not in control of this whole thing. COVID happened and everyone's like head spinning, right? We're not in control of this. We realize that God has a plan, this upper story. We have prideful planning that can get in the way of God's planning. And we have boastful things that we can do of the temporary. I'm going to I'm going I'm to retire by the time I'm 50. I've got this or I've got that. All of that is, is just vanity. And tomorrow of procrastination. We cannot wait. We can't. There's a great story. We're coming to the close. Luke 12. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus of grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain left up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. 
And you read that story and you realize, wow, there is no waiting. There is no reason for us to wait because as we are focused on the temporal right here, God has this plan for us for eternity. And we've been doing this great study. And for me, it was a great study just to, to see and to see in the eyes of the people who are in the group eternity. And so on Wednesday nights, we talked about heaven. And Chip Imgram kind of led us through this process of, well, um, as, as a small group. And the reality of it is this, is that we are, not, we are not made for this number of days that we're on this earth. We are made for something different. Tomorrow is not here. Tomorrow is, someone just told me I was going to be a grandpa soon. And I thought, you're right. No, you're not right. <laughs> My kids, <laughs> girls are looking at, no, no. <laughs> But tomorrow, tomorrow will come how soon? I would have never guessed that my youngest daughter would graduate or that Khalil would be a senior. That, um, it's amazing to realize that, God, this is so short. We were not made for here. We were made for something much bigger, something much better. Today is a gift. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, Stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Galatians 6.9 says the same thing. Let us not grow weary in doing good work because at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we, what? Yeah, if we do not give up. We've well, got to realize, you know what? We're this far away from being into the next realm. An eternity isn't this boring place, Ben <laughs> had tested this, isn't this boring place that we sit around and we sing worship songs all the time. There's going to be a government. The government is going to be upon his shoulders. When has it ever been on Jesus' shoulders so far? No, it will be what? In the future. And there will be a government, and there will be jobs and things that you're doing for the Lord. It's going to be, it's going to be a moving machine. And I don't know all the details. You can say, man, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know either. All I know is it's going to be super, super awesome. And to be a part of that is this, that we invest the number of days that we have here. There's a story in Matthew 25 and 26 about some people who received different numbers of talents. And you can make those talents into anything. But let me ask you this. You've been given how many days so far? Remember that number on the very first screen? How many remember about what that number said? 28,000? Good. 105? That is the estimated lifespan in days of you. If you're a woman, it's a little, quite a bit longer. If you're a man, not so good. Okay? You're a little less. So if you live, if you live that long, that is how many talents, because every day, if you think of it as an investment, that you have to be faithful to your king. And there's a reality of which you go, wow, I wasn't even saved. I didn't serve the king for the first 19 years. So you got to subtract that off of there. And then you got to realize, okay, and then some of the days I wake up and I'm not your will be done, but my will be done, right? And those are subtracted off there. And then you realize maybe my 401k, my retirement, and all those things are pale in comparison because they only last for how many years? Days probably less than 10,000. When you talk to people, you're not going to enjoy your, your, your retirement for 10,000 days. How long will you be in eternity? Oh, man. When we think this life is so short, 
And we go, man, I can't believe how things fly so fast. Eternity is the exact opposite. I can't believe how long this day is. Not going to be light. There's going to be no night. And you realize we're there for how long? Forever. We'll have the longest conversations ever in heaven. Why? Because we have all eternity. And what we invest here changes how we enjoy, how we're able to perceive heaven. We get sensitivity. I think, wow, people who, like Paul and these guys who went through so much persecution, they were trusting. Hebrews talks about trusting in something in the future that, is, that the reward is in the future and realizing that they are enjoying that road. Their ability to enjoy heaven, amazing. Their perceptibility of that spiritual eternity is huge. Wow. Changes how we see things for sure. So whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do it all for the glory of God because we're going to spend eternity with him. That is enough. And then he just gives us even more, the realization that we're going to spend all this time together. Some applications. Are you submitting to the Holy Spirit? Are you submitting to God's plans for you? Are you willing to do whatever as we confess sin to him daily, we yield ourselves to him, and we say, now I've got my listening ears on him. I'm, and that's how we renew our spirit. It's kind of how we, in communion, it's like I confess my sins, I yield myself and consecrate myself to him, and then I, I put my listening ears on, God, what do you have for me to do? And, and that's how we hear him more clearly. And are we investing in an eternity? Well, Joe, he says, I'll make my fortune. Good for you, says the uncle. What then? Then said Joe, I'll buy a country home and retire. Great idea, right? Yeah. That sounds inviting, said the uncle. What then? Well, I suppose, said Joe, that one day I'll die. That's true, said the uncle, with a big long pause. What then? What then? When you go home today, I want you to be thinking, what then? Tomorrow? What then? Realizing that if you, <laughs> I love this how this works, if you think of where you want to go and you work backwards from it, sometimes it's helpful. In school, we called it dry lapping. It wasn't the most honorable thing, but you realize it's supposed to be 9.8 meters per second squared, but we got 2.1. Maybe we need to refigure this whole thing. But if you realize that you want to spend eternity and you want to have this close relationship with God and, and you want to have that to be the, most, most, the priority of your life, you work backward from that and you realize that today you are building into his word. You're spending time with his people. You are spending this, this time that you were given, 28,000, and not all of us get 28,000. We might only have 12,000 or we might have 30,000. Depends on how all works out. But every single day we invest here counts for eternity. And not only that, it counts in other people's eternity as we realize God uses us for his purposes. Colossians says this in closing, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. You also will appear with him in glory. Our lifetime is training time for reigning time. I didn't make that up. That was in a book, William MacDonald. Our lifetime is training time 
for reigning time. We realize athletes practice hours and hours and hours for that game, don't they? We are practicing such a short period of time for an eternity. What an, what an investment that is to get to know the Lord so well that we can hear his voice, be directed by him, and hear the voices of the other children to give us instruction to know what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to be. And what the Lord is saying right now is, I want you to worship, so let me close you in prayer, and then you can worship him as well as I. Father, thank you so much that you have given us your word. It's so clear where our focus needs to be. Father, we just confess that we, we go astray so often. Our priorities are mis, miscalculated. We think we have many tomorrows, and the truth is, is we don't even know that. Father, may we look for, forward to tomorrow as if it is raining time, that you will reign over us, that we will be in your care, under your government, in your blessing as we are spending time with you in eternity. And help us during this time our, to just allow ourselves to get to know you more and more, to serve you more and more as you direct each one of our days, as we listen to your Holy Spirit, as we read in your word, as we pray and, and seek your, your will, and as we listen to your other children as they speak and, and encourage us and, and stir in us what we are to do as we live in this world. Help us to invest wisely, Father. Help us to, to realize that this world is very temporal and that we have to look forward to is so much more than anything this world could offer. And Father, as we leave this place, that we would recognize that many graduates and, and many people are moving on to bigger and better things. And those are awesome, Father. And we ask that you bless them in those things. We ask that they would keep, as we see our graduates leaving, that they would keep you in their plans and their desires as they have aspirations for things that that they would want to serve you better because of the education they receive, that they would serve you in ways that they otherwise couldn't serve you because of the way that they're trained. And so we just ask especially for, for a blessing on them as uh, we are in this time of the year. I ask for a blessing on Monday as we go tomorrow. If it is your will that we would go to work as, or that we would, we would be a mom or a dad or whatever it is, that we would do it for your glory, that we bring you glory by the way we do it, and that we bring blessing to other people as we reflect you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.